Our text this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. And the word comes to us saying, very familiar passage of scripture, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to talk today from this thought, the original game changer. Amen. The original game changer. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, in the vernacular of the sports world, athletes who are so dynamic, so talented, and so special become known as game changers. These players not only affect the individual contests in which they participate, but because of the superb level of their athletic skill, they literally change the dynamics of their particular sport. In a very real sense, these select few athletes transcend their sport. They move very quickly to the top of their profession. They become a favorite of the fans, and those who watch them begin to question their place in history, considering whether they are the greatest of all time. Game changers come in multiple varieties. Males, females, young and very young. With a strong mix of culture and ethnicity. Every sport seems to have their game changers and people will constantly want to add to the accepted list of who the game changers really are. Another element about game changers is that their great skill, intense competitive nature, and work ethic forces every opponent to develop strategies designed to stop or at least slow them down. Game changers keep the opposition up late at night. Are you going to pray with me? Let me just show you a few game changers by sport, and by no means is this a competitive list. Jim Brown was a game changer. Is that right? Walter Payton, a game changer. Sweetness. You know you're a game changer when you get a nickname like Sweetness. Peyton Manning, when he was with the Colts. But Peyton Manning, a game changer. In basketball, some of us uh, old school people will remember this one. Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete. He was at LSU and this picture was taken. The progenitor of the no-look pass, Pistol Pete Maravich. Larry Bird, a game changer. Magic Johnson. 
a game changer. And we could not mention basketball without mentioning Michael Jordan. A game changer. Other game changers include the Williams sisters in tennis, Wayne Gretzky in hockey, Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods in golf, Babe Ruth, Henry Aaron, Nolan Ryan, and Jackie Robinson. All were game changers in baseball. You get the point. Game changers change the game in which they excel. But to further the significance of the concept of a game changer, I dug a little bit deeper. I went to UrbanDictionary.com and typed in the words game changer, and here's what came up. In romance, a person who by personality, attitude, and or influence is a true standout amongst the norm of dating and relationships. They are generally unaffected by what would be considered superficial charm. Money, appearance, and social status don't bother them. And they are more attracted to someone's deeper qualities. Hence, they would change a player's game. Such persons are considered relationship and even marriage material. Did you change somebody's game? Some, don't, don't be shy now. There's some game changers in the house. Ken Barry say he's a game changer. Change Nicole's game. That's right. <laughs> now, here's another definition of game changer that comes from the same UrbanDictionary.com. Game changer is an event which occurs out of the blue. There is no possible explanation for it and never will be. This event is so unexpected that it is not even part of the odds. People are extremely shocked that the, at these rare events and are often left speechless, speechless or talking nonsense. Now, in light of what we've learned of a game changer from the world of sports and these other contemporary definitions from UrbanDictionary.com, it seems to me that there exists ample evidence to ask who the original game changer was. Who forever changed the most important, most important game of all? Not football, not basketball, or any sports, not even the game of love. Is there anyone that has changed the game that includes all of us, that is the game of life? I submit to you today that Jesus Christ is the original game changer. Amen. He changes more lives. He changes more lives than we can ever know. He has never been and never will be stopped by his opponent. He has the power to draw people to him in such a way that he is the game changer in their lives. Now, I realize that some of us will be uncomfortable in making the analogy between life and a game. But there are some people who view life as a game. Here are a few quotes to illustrate that. Mother Teresa said these words. She said, life is a game, play it. 
the artist Florence Scovel Shin said these words, The game of life is a game of boomerangs. Our thoughts, deeds, and words return to us sooner or later with astounding accuracy. Now, of course, my brothers and sisters, life is a serious matter. But it has some things in common with a game. A game has rules which establish certain boundaries. Life has rules which establish boundaries, even though people choose at times to ignore them. Games have participants trying to succeed at achieving a positive end. A game has a beginning and an end. They don't play forever. They play for a certain amount of time or, to some, or until somebody wins in most cases. And nobody likes a tie score. Life has a beginning and an end. We will either win at the end or we will lose. There are no tie scores in life. We do not have the option of treating life like a video game where once we are eliminated, we just wait for the next avatar to show up. Life is not Xbox 360. All of us participate in life, and, and in this comparison, we are all trying to pursue what we see success to be. We're all going after something, trying to be a winner. Maybe you are pursuing wealth. Maybe you see success in life as health and family. But chances are we are all trying to get to what we believe a successful, happy life would be. And sometimes we're trying to do so. In the face of severe opposition. So the big question is, what does it mean to be successful at life? Is there a common answer that would help us all overcome the obstacles that lay in our path? Now, to answer this question correctly, we need a game changer. I submit to you today that Jesus Christ is the game changer needed for your life. He's the original game changer. He was changing the game of life ever since there's been life. He is so much a game changer that he bids all people to come to him so their lives can forever be changed for the better. No other game changer can say that and it be true. He has proven himself more than capable of fulfilling the role of game changer for you. If you give him your life, he will change it for you. He will make you leave that which is destroying you. And he will cause you to fall deeply in love with him, his will and his way. He will never disappoint you. He is the kind of game changer to which you can commit yourself forever. So how 
Does Jesus change the game? Jesus changed the game in one fell swoop. He rose from the dead. Oh yeah, you can give him praise. In one fell swoop, he changed the whole dynamic. He changed the whole dynamic of life. He died on a cross, borrowed a tomb because he wasn't going to need it long, and got up from the grave with all power in his hand. This event, his resurrection, celebrated by Christians worldwide every year. This miraculous happening that is at the very root of the gospel. By his resurrection, Jesus conquered man's biggest problem in the game of life, which is death. Death is your biggest problem. You don't know it yet. But every man that's born of a woman is appointed a time to die. And death is our biggest problem because on our own, we are unable to overcome death. So what does it mean? Here are three ways Jesus changed the game for us. The first way in which the resurrection changed the game The resurrection assured us of a game-changing salvation. Prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus, the issue of salvation remained a promise that God's chosen people, Israel, could look towards. The prophets all knew that God promised to send a game changer. And perhaps no prophetic utterance about the game changing work of Jesus is more eloquent and poignant than that of Isaiah in chapter 53. In verses 1 through 4 of that chapter, Isaiah describes this promised, game-changing Messiah. Isaiah says, He will be like a root out of dry ground, not good to look at, despised, and rejected by men. Isaiah goes on to say that He will bear our griefs and He will carry our sorrows. That's some game-changing stuff right there, folks. Do I have a witness? But watch this now. It is in verse 5 where Isaiah gets down to how this promised one will change the game. In Isaiah 53 and 5, he writes, But he was pierced for our transgressions. Oh, I wish I had some witnesses here. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace was placed. And with his wounds, we are healed. That changed the game. But Isaiah wasn't done because in verse 11, he tells us how the promised Messiah would change the game between man and God. In verse 11 he says, By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteousness or righteous, and he shall bear 
their iniquities. And what he did in changing this game for us is that he made it so that God would account us to be righteous. Now, you only have to have a few minutes of time with yourself to know how big a deal that is. You know how unrighteous we can be. You know how in, in a discipleship paradigm, even for Christians, there can be some difficulty in, in understanding what it's like to walk in righteousness. We know that we come to Bible study, we read the, the, read the Bible, we go to small group meetings because we want to learn how to become more righteous. And that's a beautiful thing. But all that learning would be for naught. If it was not for the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there was this promise of a game changer that had not come to fruition in all of the years between Isaiah's writing and the cross of Jesus. Even though Jesus told his followers that he would rise again, his death left them shocked, scattered, and going into hiding. They were holed up in a room where they thought no one could find them. And a few women had the courage to go to the tomb where they had laid his body in order to properly prepare it for burial now that the Sabbath day was over. What did they see when they arrived at that tomb? They saw a game-changing event. Luke describes it like this in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 24. He says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Somebody ought to get excited right here. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, now, now look at verse 4. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said a game-changing word to them. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen as he said. Remember how he told you why it was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Look at somebody and tell them that's game changing right there. The resurrection meant that the words of the prophet were true indeed. We can now be reconciled to God because Jesus had changed the game. He had won a victory over death and gave us the opportunity to enjoy the victory of life eternal by believing the gospel. Apostle Paul describes it this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 55, Paul has a little moment 
of incredible praise in his heart. And I can just imagine as he was writing these words that the feeling of God's presence was just welling up in him. And he wrote these words. He said, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But look at verse 57. He says, but thanks be to God. Somebody ought to just get happy right there. But thanks be to God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a victory won on Calvary and in the resurrection The power over death. He changed the game with victory over death. Now, now this this game-changing Jesus, this resurrection, the second thing that it did, the resurrection produced a game-changing grace. Watch this now. Because Jesus had now restored the relationship between God and man through his death and his resurrection, God could now offer all who believe a grace that would change them forever. This grace was much more than the grace That humanity received by God, not destroying every sinner because we are all born in sin. This grace was a different grace. It was a grace unmerited as the other. But this grace was bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb of God. You see, before the death and resurrection of Jesus, men brought lambs to God in order to atone and try to receive grace. But at his resurrection or at his crucifixion, in Jesus Christ, what God did was bring a lamb to men. Y'all got to get this. The old sacrificial system said, take your lamb down there to the temple and and try to atone. God said, I've got a lamb like no other lamb. I've got a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. I am going to bring you a lamb and he will die so you'll never have to bring another lamb again. What is... This grace. It is God's unmerited favor poured out upon those who received Christ as Savior. When you accept God's offer of Christ as payment for your debt of sin, God gives you a bonus check called grace. Anybody here don't like a bonus check? So we get salvation by grace through faith and a sustaining grace as well that helps to shape us into the image of Christ so that we reflect his glory. 
That's game-changing stuff. You've been living for your own life, for yourself. And this grace is not meant so that you can have an opportunity to just go and pray and, and, and say, well, I sinned, and then you keep on sinning. That's not what grace is about. This grace should shape you and mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. The Apostle Paul writes about this grace we receive when we believe. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in verse 24, And all are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Romans 5, 17 through 21, we find these words concerning grace. He says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. See, that's game changing stuff there. God means for you to reign in life. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. <laughs> for, by, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. We became sinners because of Adam's disobedience. But look at here, God was not going to leave us there. He says, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. He says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, look at this right here, grace abounded all the more. Where sin was leaving its crimson stain, grace was coming right behind it with the cleanup crew. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not only does this grace gift have the power to save us, Grace has the power to keep us. We are kept by His marvelous and precious grace. The Apostle Paul writes about the sustaining power of grace. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 2, he writes, Through Him we have obtained access by faith into this grace. Through Jesus we have access into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Oh, I wish I had somebody. By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
You're not who you are on your own works. You are who you are by the grace of God. Any achievement, any growth, any 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 uh, uh, times where you have have become more like Christ is all because of His grace. By His grace. He says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. The Apostle Paul closes nearly every letter he writes to churches with these words. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The last verse of the Bible in the book of Revelation chapter 22 Verse 21 says the same thing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Why? Because as recipients of this sustaining grace, we can stand against anything. Oh, I remember Paul writing these words. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Let the wind blow. Let the, the breakers dash. All of these things. Let, let, let evil come on every hand. Nothing shall separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Look at somebody and just say nothing. Nothing. Nothing shall separate me from the love of Jesus Christ in His grace. And finally, my brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus Christ not only produced a game-changing salvation, not only did it give us a game-changing grace, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ produced a game-changing people. Because Jesus conquered death. Because Jesus gave us a saving and sustaining grace that reconnected those who would believe to the heart and the family of God. Jesus commissions us to be a game-changing people in the world. Yes, my brothers and sisters, we must go and change the game. Oh yeah, we must change the game for those who do not believe by becoming the vessels of God, filled with grace, and willing to pour ourselves out into this sinful world, just like Jesus poured himself out for us. We must become game changers. We do so by following his command to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. For too long, the light of God in the city has found itself hidden under the bushel of fear. Afraid of being talked about. Afraid of being isolated and ostracized. The church, the people of God have been afraid of being called different. I came to tell you today, don't be afraid of being called different. You are different. Don't be afraid of somebody calling you what you are. You are created to be different. 
different by design and not by accident. Called to a glorious life of giving a game-changing work on behalf of everyone you meet. Look at how a relationship changed the game. A relationship with Jesus changed the game for the followers of Jesus in the Bible. If I were to call some witnesses here, I would start with Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He had a relationship with Jesus that changed him from being a fisherman to a fisher of me. That's game-changing stuff. I would call James the brother of Jesus who no doubt grew up in the shadow of Jesus. But James, when he had that real game-changing experience, became the head of the Jerusalem church. Well, let's call Paul a destroyer of Christians. He changed himself, or God changed him from being a destroyer of Christians to a missionary to the Gentiles. The very ones that he sought to destroy. That Damascus Road experience changed the game for Paul. And when we think about it, when we go back to our text in Galatians 2 and 20, This is how Paul was changed. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I wonder today how many believers see themselves in that same light. I have been crucified with Christ. We think about Christ being crucified, but we don't think about dying with him. Do I have a witness here? We think about him hanging on the cross. But we don't think about that because he died, we can die to ourselves. We can die to our sins. We can die to our old man. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. And when you are crucified with Christ... You are willing to say that you no longer live for yourself. Think about it. If this day means anything, it ought to mean for every believer that we are willing to declare to the world that we no longer live for ourselves. When you live for yourself, you do what you want to do. You go where you want to go. You say what you want to say. But when you live for Christ, oh, I wish I had a witness here. When you live for Jesus, when you give your heart and soul over to him, you no longer live for yourself. And Paul says it like this, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, 
in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said, I am willing to love you and give my life for you just as you are because I don't want you to stay in the sin that you're in. I want to change the game for you. My brothers and sisters, we are called to be game changers. Because he is risen. We can f- obey fully. His command. To change the game. In Matthew 5 and 16. Our Lord says. In the same way. He's talking about being the light of the world. In the same way. Let your light shine before others. So they may see. Your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I remember growing up as a small child. We don't sing this song in the church as much anymore. But we used to sing a song said, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. All in my home, I'm going to let it shine. All at my job, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go, I am going to let my little light shine. When you let your light shine, you change the game. The enemy wants the world to be in darkness. But when you let your light shine, the game gets changed. Have you ever seen light not be able to impact darkness? Even when you had a night light on. That night light.